we're continuing Melachim, chapter 8. We are in the middle of the inauguration of the Beit HaMikdash, and the central uh, event in the inauguration is the famous tefillah of Shilomo Tugar. In this tefillah, we explore a lot of the, the, the philosophical um, uh, significance of the Beit HaMikdash, right? Because ultimately, the Beit HaMikdash, it most represents not God's actual residence, but the place... The, the physical location that B'nai Israel use for inspiration in their relationship with God. It's a place that creates unity amongst B'nai Israel and ultimately allows B'nai Israel to interact with God on, an, on a... It allows B'nai Israel to, to feel the experience of the Shekhinah in a united way and in a way that allows them to pray uh, uh, more effectively. Okay? So... Uh, and I'm being very careful with my words because there is a philosophical question as to how much you could, how far you could go with saying that this is the house of God. Now, what does it mean that God's Shekhinah rests in a location? Because you could very, very easily turn that into a heretical statement of God's presence manifests here. What? So it's, it's isolated. So it's in one location. So he can't hear my tefillah from another location or he's less present in another lo- what does that even mean it's a, it's a difficult concept so I'm constantly struggling with the right words to use to describe the significance here and I think uh, ultimately you have to say something along the lines of it's a place where B'nai Israel agree will be that location that gives them all the experience from the human perspective enough of a, of a feeling of God's closeness that allows them to reach out to God more effectively. Okay? Meaning it's from the human side. It's not that Borei Olam puts his presence there more. It's, this is the location that we agree on as, as united Jews is going to be the location where we experience it. And there is, there is a lot of truth is philo- uh, psychologically in that like the, the context of your location has a very, very big effect on your mindset. For example, I'll give you the most classic example, um, and I hope it could, it could drive the point home. If let's say they did an experiment for people, for, uh, people in the Vietnam War, it was a huge, there was a huge heroin addiction that developed during the Vietnam War among soldiers while they were in Vietnam. And when they brought them home, about 80% of the addictions went away because the soldiers would come back into their families and they would go back to normal life. And the, the researchers realized that the addiction to cocaine was really filled into the context of the location of Vietnam and the war and the experiences where there were a lot of triggers in that local location that caused this addiction to persist. Which, and, and the second the, the soldiers were taken out of that spatial context and the feelings of war and the location of Vietnam and were brought back home, the cues and the triggers in their brain that were, that were causing this addiction to persist those triggers all faded away and different uh, triggers filled their brain which caused them to behave in different ways. So it shows that there is a filling a context with a certain, certain feeling can cause the people that go into that area to develop some mental cues, right? That make an experience different in one location as opposed to another. Uh, kind of similar to this like addiction analogy where let's say the Jewish way of looking at the, what the Beit HaMikdash would do is that anytime I'm home 
I get into the routine of work and this and that, and I forget to think about God. But when I go to this specific place that's known as the quote-unquote house of God, that doesn't actually house God in a physical way, but is known as the house of God, it allows the parts of my brain that want to connect or that are looking for that, that are spiritually thirsty to awaken. And those parts of my brain get activated, right? So uh, that, that's... I'm saying this all in response to Shlomo's opening statement of the tefillah that, Borelam, you know, we all know that this house isn't actually going to house you. You can't even, you're not even housed in the heavens, let alone in this house, okay? Now, the main element behind the Beit HaMikdash that Shlomo is going to say is that it should be a place where when Bnei Israel come to pray, please listen to, to their tefillot here, okay? So we continue from Pasuk 20, uh, 33, there are a few examples. One was when... Uh, Someone comes in general and prays to you, please listen to him. Another one is if people got into a fight and they come and they approach your place for judgment, please offer a, a judgment to them and allow the, the truth to come forth from this location. Pasuk Lamed Gimel, Whenever your people Israel are, are defeated by an enemy, why would they be defeated? Because they sin to you, let's say. Like kind of like the story with Ai in Sefer Yoshua, mm-hmm. when Bnei Israel they sinned and then they lost the battle with Ai. Beshabu elecha and they return to you. Vehodu echemecha and they acknowledge your name. Beitpalelu beitchanenu elecha babaytaze and they pray and they beseech you in this house. Pasuk lamedal. Veata tishma hashamayim vesalachta lechatat amecha Israel and you should listen from the heavens and you should forgive the sin of Bnei Israel. Vashevotam el haadamash and atata laavutam and you should return them to their land that you gave their forefathers. Meaning the context is, let's say the Jews from I don't know Gat near the Philistines, right? They get into a war with the Philistines and they lose, and then the Philistines encroach upon their land that was typically known as their ancestral homeland. So now the Jews have to I don't know go further inland. Then please listen to their tefillah and allow them to reclaim the land that you had given to their forefathers. Okay, pasuk lamed he beheatzer shamayim. Another example. Let's say the heavens are blocked. Velo yematar kiyechetulach, and there won't be rain for bnei Israel have sinned to you. Veitpalelu elamakomazev hodu etchemecha mehatatam yishuvun kitanim. They should come to this place. They should pray in this place, and. It doesn't even say that they will come here. It says veitpalelu elamakomazev, and they shall pray in the direction of this place. And they shall acknowledge your name. And, uh, uh, and they return from their sin. And please answer them. Uh, and, and they return from their sin so that you can answer them. Please listen from the heavens. And you should forgive the sins of your servants. Listen to their tefillot and forgive their sins of your, of your servants uh, and of your nation Israel and instruct them as to the good way that they should go. You should give rain upon your land that you've given to your people as their portion, as their inheritance. Now, what's also fascinating about the tefillah is that in the Jewish mindset, all natural events are tied to human behavior. You know? The rain not fall, doesn't fall. It's not a random event in yeah. the in Shilomo's thing. It's all when the rain fall does not fall because we have sinned, or when we lose a battle because we have sinned. It's always tied to human behavior, and it's a very Jewish way of looking at the world. In that, it's not clearly evident what the connections are between our behavior to the events in the natural world. It's not clear because God's paths are always covered and God's ways are always hidden. But 
that's part of the Jewish emunah, the ability to attribute all of the natural events to the actual behaviors of the people. Okay, and that's what Shalom is doing throughout this tefillah. Okay, when there's a hunger in the land, or when there's a famine, or there's a destruction of crops, or the dryness of crops, maybe if there's a locust thing, or a different type of, of insect that's consuming all of the crop, uh, or whenever the enemy bothers in any of the cities, any pain, any, any uh, sickness that comes upon us, kol tefillah, kol any tefillah, any beseeching, asher adam, that will be to any person, for any reason, for all your people Israel, that the people recognize the sin of their heart, or the failings of their heart, and then the person turns, and he opens his hand to this house, to the Beit Asita. You should listen from the heavens, the place of your dwelling. You shall forgive and you shall do. And you should answer and give each person according to the ways that you know are within his heart. Because you are the only one who knows the heart of people. So now what is a, a very key thing that he's making in his tefillah? He's not saying that tefillah is just a special amulet that just gets answered no matter what. The tefillah is just a means through which the person comes to God and makes his claim. And what, how does ultimately God decide if the claim should be responded to? If the person's heart is pure. Meaning at the end of the day, he doesn't say answer their tefillot at all times. He says answer their tefillot according to the quality of their feeling of their heart. And if their heart is truly with you, please answer it in the affirmative, answer it positively. It's a fascinating thing. He's not saying that tefillah is some special amulet that just forces God's hand. He's saying tefillah is just a means through which humans start the dialogue, but ultimately the dialogue will be dependent, the success of the dialogue is dependent on the human behavior, on the feelings of the heart. And only God, only you know how legitimate and, and uh, genuine the feelings of the heart are. And if they are indeed genuine... Then please answer positively. And if you do do that, and if you answer in truth to the feeling and to the genuineness of the one who is praying, then the people will fear you all the days that they're on the land that you've given to our forefathers. Now here it gets very, very interesting because now Shlomo expands the, the use of the Beit HaMikdash, not just the tefillah of the Jewish people, who are in times of difficulty or are coming to you with a request, he expands it also to the goyim. And also the non-Jew or the one who is a uh, out-of-towner, who is not from the people of Israel. He comes from a distant land for your name, out of respect to your name. For they will have heard your great name, your great hand, your outstretched arm, and the, and the non-Jew comes and prays to this house, listen from the heavens, the place of your dwelling, and do exactly as the Nukhri requests, as a non-Jew requests, 
so that all of the peoples of the land will recognize your name. To fear you just as your people Israel fear you. And so that they should know that your name is upon this house that I have built. So here Shlomo gets maybe it's like the ultimate uh, uh, goal of this process, which is not just that the Jewish people are united around this house and see this as the dwelling place of God and recognize and pray and get answered here, but also all the nations of the world see this, so that this place turns into a, a location where the world comes to remember that there is one God, and that even the Nukhri gets influenced by this location and sees this as the place to connect with the one true God who happens to live amongst the Jews. And to fear them, to, to fear Hashem. They'll fear Him, exactly. Now let's say, we've spoken about if they lose battle, and they want to do, and, they, uh, uh, and there is an enemy approaching, and they pray for salvation. What happens if they go out to war? And they go out to war against an enemy that you send them. They should pray to you through the place that I have built for you and the, the house that is built for, uh, for your name. What's interesting is that he's not saying that the people will come to the location to pray. Because how could it be that they go out to war and pray in the Beit HaMikdash at the same time? Right? It's more saying face this direction. It's, it's, that, this is, this tefillah that Shalom is doing and this whole concept is the basis for why we face Jerusalem during all of our tefillot. Yeah. Because the tefillot have to be centered around Yerushalayim. Now, if you, have, if you want to think deeply about it, the idea is to bind our tefillot into the faith of our nation. Meaning, the idea is, why, why is it that we all pray in a, sing, in, a, in a single location? Because whenever we're praying as an individual, let's say, it's, it becomes our personal needs that we are asking for, Right? But now, now let's say we play in the specific central location where Am Yisrael recognizes as their capital city and as the house of their king or God, then you're binding your tefillot to the faith of your nation as well. So you're not saying, Hashem, please give me X, Y, and Z because I want it. You're saying, Hashem, please give me X, Y, and Z for the betterment of your people. So it starts to train you to focus your tefillah on higher goals. It starts to... It trains you to think of your purpose in this world in relation to the nation, in relation to Am Yisrael as a whole. It takes what could be your trivial desires for your day-to-day, and it trains you to focus on thinking a little bit on the larger picture, on the larger side of things, and seeing how can I use my tefillah for the sake of furthering the cause of the Jewish nation and of God, right? I think that's the effect this all has. It, it makes the tefillah more significant when it's focused on higher goals. And gives the unity to all the people. And then it gives unity to all the people, of course. That, that, that's without, without even saying. Okay, we'll continue. Let's continue from Mem Dalit again tomorrow, Bazar Hashem. Um, very, very interesting. And ultimately, after all of this, the fact that the goyim are included means that as part of the Jewish philosophy, the, the end goal is for Yahadut to be an outward-facing religion in which... In which the nations of the world, it, it's a very basic religion. It doesn't ask much in terms of belief. Yeah. You know? It, it philosophically isn't hard to, to think. It's, it's very simple, and it's something that Goyim could appreciate also. Okay. Uh, so that's going to be the ultimate goal.
Baruch Adonai Amen Amen. Very nice.